Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. Stories are among our most potent tools. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Joe Crook. And I'm Matthew Janjeski. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today, our guest to share their Twin Cities dance history is Amy Beam Thompson. I must admit from the get-go, my complete love and bias towards dancer and collaborator, Amy Beam Thompson. She's been a creative friend and muse of mine since 1999 to this day. And I'm so excited to speak with you, Amy. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you as well. Um, And I just want to thank both of you for this podcast. I've been listening from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where I live now, and it's... um, It's been a wonderful walk, you know, down memory lane and listening to the stories and um, it's bringing back a lot of memories for me. So thanks for doing it. It's been great. Well, we're excited to hear from you today. Um, And I think it's ready. I'm ready to just kind of jump right in. I mean, I know you're from from Minnesota originally, I believe, and you attended the University of Minnesota for dance. and later became quite a pillar here in the dance community, both teaching and performing with Arena, uh, Xenon Dance Company, and many other kind of independent uh, dance projects. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about your origins in dance? Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Um, Well, I grew up in a really small town in southwestern Minnesota, Marshall, Minnesota. Um, I had one dance teacher who taught me ballet, jazz, modern. At that point, it was actually called lyrical. tap character and it really was sort of the the focus of my kind of growing up time period you know I was at the dance studio as many of us are that grew up dancing every day Um, I, I studied at a little studio called Southwest School of Dance and it was run by Charlotte Wendell um who is still actually teaching and it's pretty amazing um And, you know, my love of dance, I think, just came from being with other people and moving with other people. I always just enjoyed that so much. And we were a competition studio, even our little tiny, tiny group of dancers that we were. um, We did a lot of competitions. And so I had the opportunity to travel to Minneapolis um, to get exposed to other sort of larger studios and and it started to open up my mind to this idea of you know I can take what I'm doing here in this small town and perhaps pursue a career Hmm. Um, and then if you want to kind of fast forward to my choice to go to the University of Minnesota I had been deciding between the University of Utah um, and the University of Minnesota and I took a visit to campus and I got to observe Zoe Seeley. Matthew, you know her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was teaching a jazz class. Um, and I just, I just felt like this is the right place for me. You know, Norris Hall at that point was, as other guests have shared, you know, just a gymnasium. There was a, a dance studio in the basement, but we were dancing in gyms and I just was really drawn to it. I loved the campus. And that's how I ended up at the University of Minnesota was after that visit. I have the similar story with seeing Zoe's uh, work. That's how I ended up at the U. She was such, she was very prominent and her personality, you know, she she had that and still does. I imagine she has that fire. Um, And she, um, yeah, she was, she was a great mentor of mine while I was at the U of M. So amazing. I, I mm-hmm. have a very specific memory of you, uh, Amy. I'm sure I've shared this with you, but you were performing the work of Doug Verone mm. while a student there. I, I can't remember what year you were at that point. That I think that was my junior year because we went to, well, first of all, that experience. I mean, to work with a choreographer of that stature, like we had no idea, right? <laughs> yeah. We just didn't really know Um And he was kind of still an emerging choreographer, so to speak. Uh, He was certainly creating lots of work, but he was doing that that college circuit, right? Mm -hmm. Where he would go to universities and set work. And this was just an original piece. So he made the piece on this group of dancers, which I was lucky enough to be one of. Um, 
and first of all, his movement, his, his style just spoke to me. I could just, I can like still feel it, you know, in my body, (laughs) in my bones, sort of how, um, how his movement felt while doing it, but he also collaborated with us. So a lot of the material that was used for that piece, it was called Towards a Bright Light of Day, Mm. um, was made by us as students under his guidance. Um, So it was this collaborative sort of experience. And at that point, I felt like our group of dancers, so yeah, like 1998, 99, we were just hungry right? Like, I think that we were looking for what will be our next opportunity. And that opportunity to work with him and then eventually perform that piece at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. was amazing. I mean, we made it all the way there. This And Erin Thompson took us. So she she was our rehearsal director. And um, yeah, that was an incredible experience. When such a, a rare, you know, definitely getting to go to the Kennedy Center through ACDFA, I, is that mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, incredible. Like, what an experience for that stage. I never have performed there. My work has been there. <laughs> well, you but, know what's interesting, Matthew, is that so Barbara Barker, right? Yeah. She was my advisor, and um, after we went to the Kennedy Center, that's when the real push started to come to raise money for a new dance center. So I feel like that trip to Washington, D.C. sort of put our dance program at the University of Minnesota um, kind of in the spotlight a little bit because I received an award there from, what was it called? A Most Outstanding Performer from Dance Magazine. So I had my picture in Dance Magazine and it referenced the University of Minnesota. And I think that it kind of started to propel, not that it wasn't already churning, but that this dance program needs a different space. It needs space that represents who we are now, you know, because it was a very small program to start, as you probably remember. Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't have a concept of it, but in having these interviews, I was like, wow, this was really fresh and kind of new like Barbara was only there for a couple years Mm -hmm. but I think you're right I think the University of Minnesota itself realized the impact the program could have and started you know really putting money towards it and Barbara of course being such a a force uh being able to raise the money and things like that wasn't she I mean just to think about sort of the hill she had to climb to make that possible um it's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that <laughs> I kind of picked a dance program that didn't look shiny and fancy, you know, hmm. it's, it felt very raw and real. And I think that's kind of what drew me to it. Uh, nice to be a part of that kind of growth of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I had just, I think I just missed you because did you graduate a couple I, of years before? I think um, I'm, yeah, I've lost track of time, but I graduated in 94, mm-hmm. um, which was a year after I was supposed to, just because I was going to school part-time dancing. Right, you were dancing with Danny. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So when did you start going to the U? Was it? 94. 90? Oh my gosh. But we must have just, I mean, if you were kind of in and out doing what you needed to do, I'm sure we didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and as a freshman, I... I don't know, Joe, if you dance. Did you dance before you went to college? Uh, I did not, no. But is that where you were first exposed to? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I don't know if it if you have the same feeling, but for me, like, I had never really stood with my feet in a parallel position before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I was kind of coming from this more of a ballet background, certainly, you know, Sure. I just to stand with my feet in parallel. I was like, wow, this feels so different. And, and to do these classes like body, mind centering, which at that point, I, you know, I thought it was so kooky. (laughs) Oddly, I've grown to absolutely love all of these different forms of movement. But um, my freshman year probably was just a kind of a swirl of taking in this new information. So funny. Yeah. My Mm -hmm. Experience with modern was uh, 
I was told to be, be a tree in the class. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> that was in Winona, my freshman year of college, but so funny. Well, I, I have to say, I'm going back to the Doug Brown work because yeah. I saw that show and I was like, who is that? And just the joy you expressed in moving Aww. and the moment in the work too, where you're like in this, uh, I want to say arabesque yeah. uh, position, yeah. but your like, upper body is in line with your legs. So like a yeah. tabletop and all this chaos is happening around you. Whirling <laughs> around me. I know. Uh, yeah, I remember that moment too. I remember it clearly in my body. You know, it's so interesting how we have footage of, of um, we have film, we have footage of the work that we've done as dancers or artists, theater, whatever. And then, but to, but to remember the feeling in your body, it's, mm-hmm. it's like it, we, we know it lives in there, but that was a beautiful moment. And that was, um, now that I remember, I'm thinking back to um, towards a bright light of day uh, that Doug Verone created with us. He spoke very openly about as we graduated from college, as we all started to move forward, the world that we were entering into as an artist wasn't easy. Mm. That it wasn't an easy pathway, but if you had perseverance and if you loved what you did, that it was possible. And so towards the end of that piece, there was just this incredible running sequence where we're running and running and we're holding hands and we're smiling. And that, that was not, you know, put on. That was like purely us just feeling that our future w- could be bright, right? That mm-hmm. this was possible to be a dancer, to be a choreographer, to pursue our dreams. And I think it it was a it was just such a great experience for us as dancers. I think everyone that was in that piece and you danced it, Matthew. I did. I, I yeah. When we reset it, you were in it. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you can probably probably um agree with that feeling yeah he's he's definitely one of my heroes and kind of inspirations of investigating movements that that has that kind of freedom of the body and collaborative quality that he has as well and you know i went to i think it was three auditions in new york yeah to to try to get into his company obviously it didn't happen and looking back on it, I'm so glad that it didn't because I think I was where I needed to be. Hmm. Well, yeah. I was very lucky <laughs> for, yeah. that, well. for that myself. Yeah. But I do remember thinking, he's crazy. Thinking <laughs> 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 you. But uh, I definitely got to reap the, the benefits of, of you staying in Minneapolis and, and being such a, a force. I, did you, so you danced with Irina pretty much right out of college then? I did, right. So my first actual, I'm sorry if you maybe hear my my son in the background. Um, Yeah, so my first job out of college was with Kathy Young Mm -hmm. and with you. And and Jessica Cressy had gotten injured, who, by the way, just incredible dancer. She and I were in school at the University of Minnesota at the same time. Um, yeah, so I just remember being kind of brought into your process. You had been choreographing the piece that I learned. I think you weren't quite finished with it, but I was also learning her material at the same time. Maybe you were creating. Yeah. Hovering. Kind of a blur. Hovering. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember stepping into that, her shoes and trying to, I hadn't learned or studied with you before. And so, but your movement like came very naturally to me, like how your body moved felt like how my body wanted to move. So I, it was a pretty, I don't want to say easy transition, but it felt fairly natural. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's what I, I sensed even watching you. Cause I had that such that connection with you and in, in Doug's work that mm-hmm. you know, I <laughs> I was crying in the audience just with the exuberance of the joy of how of just joy of dance, you know, yeah. it, it was so incredible. Yeah. That um, was great. So you actually danced for arena for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets maybe a little awkward for me to chat with you, but um, do you have 
uh, kind of memories of one or two creations that we collaborated on? Mm. And it's kind of an unfair question because I loved a lot. (laughs) I loved all of it. You know, I really loved, loved all of it. I think, I mean, if I had to, because of time's sake, and I can't talk for hours because people would get bored, but if I had to, I mean, plastic language Mm. was such an incredible opportunity for us as dancers it was so was you and our well the original cast we sort of started with that trio with Marianne Bradley yeah right quite a bit of it too with yeah 30 minutes I want to say mm-hmm. and then you said it you said it you said it kind of on the shelf for a little bit and then I we we revisited this trio with um Stephen yeah Stuart Schroeder yeah who, oh, oh my God, just again, like I'm talking about all these people and I'm just salivating. I mean, there's such incredible dancers um, and people, humans, such human, such great humans. So that process though, man, we just like, it, I felt like we developed that, that piece quickly. Like we, we made a lot of material and, and we, just I felt like it was it showed each of our personalities and then the different duets we got to do with one another one another and the different solos Um, and the progression of the piece you know how it was sort of this idea of how is work created you know we come into the studio we come into the space together and we start to play we start to you know move together and then out of this comes sort of this this production, but we showed like all of the little steps that got there, but in a very abstract manner, so to speak. And touring that piece to Russia uh, and teaching there was also just this incredible opportunity. I yeah, love I feel like it's so interesting to me now thinking about it because you and Marianne Bradley were dancing with Xenon together at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember those rehearsals where the two of you were really, um, well, something I've always loved about you is you're you're like an empty slate uh, every every time we enter that room. And I remember though the two of you kind of I don't want to say challenging me. It was like a it was a positive space. But mm-hmm. Marianne was so musical and was like wanting counts for things, and mm-hmm. and it really me to have that clarity that mm-hmm. was, it was so appreciated and. And then the structure of the work. I mean, you've always had that kind of voice for me in my work. So uh, maybe that's where it all spawned from. I'm not sure. But but it, I always turn to you to kind of give feedback and thoughts and input. And it was always in such a great, um, like, this is for the work, you know? Like, it was mm-hmm. about, about growing me as a choreographer in the collaboration and then making the work truly what it could be. I, I agree. I think that um, my approach always has been, even now as a yoga instructor, it's just, it's just, especially when you're dancing. I mean, most of my career, I haven't been a choreographer. I mean, I've been a part of making dances. Absolutely. I mean, through lots of collaboration, improvisation, you know, my body made a lot of movement that choreographers use, but I haven't been a choreographer, so to speak. And so as a dancer, I always just felt like my job is to be of service. And I don't mean that in a sort of diminishing way. I mean that in a really positive way. Like I am here to say, yes, yes, let's try that. You know, like to um, let go of the judgment Right. Because it's so easy to kind of start to judge someone's choices or when someone's asking you to try something different, especially if it doesn't feel good. Dancers, I think, in general, want to do stuff that feels good. And sometimes choreography isn't going to feel good in your body. It's it shouldn't hurt. Right. It shouldn't be sharp pain, but it might feel different and different is OK. Um, I think the the technique that really helped me and I remember now that before we made plastic language with 
Stephen, I had done that three week intensive Skinner releasing workshop in um, at the University of Washington. Are you uh, guys familiar with Skinner releasing technique? Yeah, I'm not. I'd I'd love to learn a little bit more if you want to give us a cre uh, kind of a quick yeah synopsis. yeah yeah it's it's so this this form of this technique was created by Joan Skinner, um, and the idea is that as a trained dancer you don't have to be a trained dancer to attend any of this you don't even have to be a dancer but she, um, Joan created this very specific poetic language, um, and you use improvisational skills to move your body and she uses what's called image directed muscle response. So she gives you these very clear images um, and then you will spend perhaps two hours in a sort of a guided sense, like improvising with a certain image. Um, and you could just lay on the floor if you wanted to there, you know, there's no right or wrong. And in fact, Morgan Thorson is a trained Skinner release technique teacher. Um, and I think she and I have had conversations about this before when I was living in Minneapolis, it totally changed how I danced and it was maybe more of a feeling inside, but um, that technique right before we went in to make that trio, I think really let my body just express itself in a different way. Hmm. Very cool. And then the other piece I think that really <laughs> I just loved was um, not not so good at standing still. Oh yeah, so that would that would be just before you moved out of town too. Yeah, and I always remember these things like how many kids did I have at that point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I have two children. It's not like I have you know five <laughs> children running around, but I had both Brighter and Lincoln, um, and Lincoln actually would sometimes come to rehearsal, but that was an interesting transition for you, Matthew, because you were trying to make that leap from a pickup company to a more cohesive group of dancers and where we would rehearse during the day. Yeah. And we, we took class together in the morning and we would take turns and you actually had kind of a flip of the company because when you made that decision, which was not an easy decision for you, you had to let dancers go that couldn't rehearse during the day. Yeah, it was a incredibly hard. Uh, and I think it took me several years to get over, honestly. <laughs> but well, it's so hard because you had invested and that's what's so hard with a pickup company, I think, is that you're investing in, and one of our challenges, because I was just right alongside with you during this process, I had stopped dancing full time for Xenon. And so I, I was just doing sort of guest appearances with them. And so my focus was with you and we talked so much about this, this transition and that it was painful, but it was the direction that you wanted to go in. Yeah. I felt like I, you know, always working at night and very brief, quick, you know, such fast creative process. I, I wanted to see what would happen if I actually could truly focus and where I would grow creatively um, from that. So it, yeah, that was where it kind of was driven from. And you, I brought you in as kind of a rehearsal director, mm -hmm. uh, associate director. I can't remember the title we we came up with because- I was a good helper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had danced for me for so long and yeah. obviously I, I rely so heavily on you within the work that it was, it made sense to me to help assist and kind of, uh, kind of, in a way, you know, the, the process of making dances for me is such a personal one and like really getting that kind of right vibe in the room. Together, Absolutely. You know, I felt was so important and, and lucky to have you as part of that to kind yeah. of be like, well, this is what he means or, you know, or like, yeah, you can play with it. It's okay. You know, mm -hmm. kind of well, that. I think dancers just in general, I mean, I, I think we just, we just want to, we just want to do the right thing, you know? So sometimes when you want, when, when you're asked to do something physically in a certain way, you want to make sure you're doing it right. And that desire to do it right sometimes 
takes away your authenticity. And so just encouraging people to, to, to be their authentic self within the given task, right? Whatever yeah. that task might be. And yeah. that was a, that was a very young group of dancers as well. Tristan, um, others, they were just, Tristan had just graduated from college, I think. A lot of them did. Yeah. Renee mm-hmm. Starr, and Rachel Freeberg, Lucas Olson. So it was nice to learn from them as well. I've always, I've always loved surrounding myself with younger dancers. Um, right now I'm teaching, well, not currently because of the situation with our, our, our coronavirus, but I teach at a studio on Franklin Street, which is right in the heart of campus. And so I get to interact with a lot of um, college students at the yoga studio. And I just so appreciate their energy and their, um, just who they are. I like being around young people. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, I, that work was really about new beginnings really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like we played a lot. We really set time with, um, or spent a lot of time on one thing, which yeah. was really challenging for me, but the dancers were like, no, let's stick with this. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to keep things moving, but, yep. uh, it was so helpful and, and so uh, enriched the work, I feel. Yeah, it was definitely about the process. So when you were um, here and in the cities, you were dancing with the arena, and then you also danced with Xenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience there? Yeah, yeah, I loved dancing with Xenon. Um, I had moved to New York. I thought I was going to you know, make the shift and give it a, give it a real try, which I was, I was, I was in New York for about, mm, it was a full summer and maybe a, a couple of months. But what happened was I got a call from Linda Andrews and she asked me if I would like to, you know, be a part of Xenon. Um, and I had been in New York and I had been going to auditions and I was watching a lot of dancers around me just not dancing. Most of them were just working in, you know, in restaurants or temping, but they weren't dancing. And I I just wanted to dance. And I felt like Xenon was a was such a great opportunity for me because of it's a repertory company, which means that you get to work with a variety of choreographers. And I felt like my training at the University of Minnesota had really set me up for that because we were able to work with our Coles guest artists would come in and like, for instance, the Doug Barone situation was that. And so I had been sort of set up um, to be able to just put on different hats. And I've always believed, and I still believe this, that diversifying your training as a dancer is only going to make you better. Um, and so, I mean, I took African dance classes. I've always, I loved taking jazz. I always took jazz classes. I take ballet down at ballet arts, Minnesota. Um, I would take modern. I mean, I just really was hungry for like lots of different information, contact improvisation, improvisation. It was just something I loved to do. So it seemed like a really good fit. Um, and so I moved back to Minneapolis and started dancing with Xenon and, danced for about 13 years with the company. What did the uh, average kind of like process look like? Cause I know that Xenon brought in a lot of choreographers and mm-hmm. maybe like a three week kind of creation stint or. What- yeah. Yeah. We had, and maybe you, you probably are familiar with the situation where as a dance company, you're, um, well, we were able to be on a 36-week contract. So we were pretty much guaranteed that amount of work. Um, and then we'd always, you know, I always had side jobs as well as it allowed me to dance with other choreographers such as you, Matthew, in the evenings um, or after my rehearsals with Xenon. But generally what would happen is um, two or three, two or three choreographers would be brought in per season. And we would also 
be learning repertory that had been set before. And so sometimes that was a situation where we were learning from the dancers who had done the work before, or we were using video to learn the work. Um, two to three weeks was generally the time frame. And Matthew, you actually created, did you make two pieces for Xenon? Yeah, I did. They, they, they performed uh, Judged House right uh, well yeah. and it was already created but yeah that true, piece. true creation was uh navigation mm-hmm. yes another one i can't yeah. think of the name of <laughs> it was um i need you now to abandon me yeah it was right after something in your life <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um so but back to the xenon um question our format usually was something like that. And then we did a lot of residencies in schools, which at first I was like, oh my God, this is such a drag. I really didn't enjoy it. And that ended up almost being my favorite part of it. Like the residencies in the schools, and I know Arena has done work in schools as well. So great, like to be in these schools, working with these kids and seeing the joy they get from dance. It was, it was just awesome. Um, so Xenon was, was a very, very positive experience. And some of the choreographers that sort of stick out to me that, that um, the process, not always easy, but really I learned a lot from it. Andrea Miller, um, oh, let's see, Keely Garfield, Terry O'Connor, Mark Haim, and then locals like, you know, Win Fricky, Danny Bercheski, Robin Steam. Oh, there's so many. Kathy Young. Kathy Young set several pieces on us. Um, yeah, so Xenon was, was a very wonderful experience. Hard on my body, though. <laughs> yeah, because you guys would rehearse, like, right after class every day. So then, like, 11 to 3 or something like that. Yeah. And I think that like the longevity of it wasn't so much hard on my body. It was, it was this constant switch, Matthew, right. Where you would, that's why I felt like training for me was so important because I needed to keep my body strong and I needed to keep my body supple so that when different choreographers would come in, I mean, there would always be a week of just, you were sore, right? Because you're learning a totally different language. Hmm. Um, so in terms of hard on my body, I felt like that, that was, it was a challenge to, to have to, to shift movements or like how I was moving my body on such a frequent basis. Yeah. And I suppose the repetition of, of things, you know, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, too, when I've talked to other um, former Xenon dancers who understand that idea that in that creative process, when you're making a choice, whether that choice is to you know, fall to the floor, uh, remembering that you might have to do that same fall <laughs> for months and months and months um, is such an interesting kind of, I don't, I don't even know what you'd call it, but definitely something that was prevalent in the creative process. Yeah, Um, that's, that's true. And, you know, sometimes I think that lends itself to, um, if I'm going to have to do this over and over, I'm going to take the easy way out. (laughs) And that's why though, that's why, again, I'm referencing the Skinner releasing technique. I use that a lot within the process with choreographers because I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to take the easy way out. I wanted to challenge myself to move in a way that, like I um, sort of referenced earlier, didn't necessarily feel good. And not again in a painful way, but just in that feels different. That feels really different in my body. Yeah. And I suppose too, with like the, the artists coming in, you want to, you want to shine for them as well like it adds a little bit of that i don't want to say anxiety but there's a little bit of that like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna impress them i want to do really good for them exactly oh my god it was horrible i hated (laughs) that part of it i hated that feeling of 
it's just it just sets up a, a, a sense of competition, even though you you don't want to be competing with your fellow dancers. But absolutely, Matthew, that was that was always one of the hardest things for me. It was like, yeah, every time, yeah. And it's just yeah. built into the process. I mean, it's just how it is. It's it's no one's fault. It's just what happens. It makes sense. And Choreographers are going to be drawn to certain bodies and certain bodies how they move. And you might not be that body, right? And so then you have to just find a way to have have your experience still be positive. But Xenon, I feel like, is kind of a group of soloists, or was. Hmm. Like everyone in Xenon, although we could move together and in a unified way, each dancer was quite different. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of Cunningham in this Mm. quarantine time. And uh, they just said that literally that he Merce Cunningham would put company members together because they, he thought they were all soloists (laughs) in a a way. It's so interesting. Oh, that's funny. I think you've been watching some Merce. What, what brought you down that pathway? I have no idea. I'm actually training. I'm training uh, on YouTube doing Cunningham. <laughs> That's nice. Does you, how does it feel in your body? Do you like it? Um, it's good right now for me with my legs uh, mm-hmm. strengthening them. So, but yeah, it's basically ballet. I'm like, this is ballet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah, very, um, very much so. It's like sort of taking those those shapes and like tipping them on the side, or yeah. you know, tipping them forwards and backwards and uh yeah yeah it's been fun and uh but you know i think that that solo idea of of seeing xenon i mean xenon always had such powerful dancers mm-hmm. um, and i have many many memories of of seeing the shows and I, those and- strong dancers and those strong personalities you i certainly learned a lot of um communication skills and you know, when you get strong personalities together in the same room, it requires some some level of compassion. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, Linda, for the most part, uh, Linda Andrews, who was just another great mentor in many different ways, but often we would rehearse on our own and she would come in and you know, start to sort of fine tune and give feedback. So we were really kind of rehearsing each other. Mm. And that can be, that can be really challenging. So you have to learn how to listen. You have to learn how to not take things personally. (laughs) And um, so I learned a lot of life lessons in that situation as well. Huh. Nice. Yeah. And I suppose the, the, you know, the powerful voice in the room or who, gets to be in charge in a way just kind of mm-hmm. naturally bubbles to the surface. Absolutely. Huh. Interesting. Another thing though, I really appreciated about both you and Linda. I mean, I started, I, I wanted to have a family. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a mom. And when I had brighter, our first child, Linda was amazing about letting me, I mean, I went back to dancing full time after I had Brighter and I put Brighter in a a daycare, which like broke my heart, but I just, I wasn't done, you know, I still wanted to be in there. And Linda was amazing. You know, if I had to leave early, if Brighter got sick, I mean, there were times I got a call, you know, she's throwing up, you need to come pick her up. Or we had a few tours that year and Linda let me bring her on tour and Linda would take care of Brighter while I was dancing on stage um and you were also equally as amazing with bringing both of my children into rehearsals because for me to be able to dance and pay for childcare, it just it just didn't equal out yeah yeah the thing that saved me was when i got the mcknight fellowship and i had this money to pay for childcare, and it allowed me to you know get back into the studio in a way where I didn't have to bring the kids with me because that was also very distracting for me. That was hard to be fully present when I had, you know, 
a little one sort of crawling around, although they were fine and they were having fun, it was, it, I couldn't be totally there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were making ugly for the mm -hmm. Walker art center when brighter was, was that brighter? Uh. Yeah. Brighter. I would bring, I would load up all that, that little contraption I put her in. You remember <laughs> that thing? I yeah, put her little body in this in this circular thing. I don't know what, I, I don't know what they're called anymore. And she would have all these like little toys to play with. <laughs> oh my gosh! And the other dancers in the room were just so so wonderful about it. Nobody complained. Everybody was really generous during that time. I think it adds a sense of I don't know. I mean, I think of a studio as a play area, so mm -hmm. I think it added you know, keeping that curiosity of a child and all of that play within the room itself, you know, in creation process. Yeah. And if you consider, I mean, I didn't really have a role model. I didn't have a, a female dancer older than me that, that had been doing that, bringing their children to rehearsal. I didn't have yeah. a role model. The only role model I had in terms of that, Erin Thompson, who is, you know, another amazing mentor of mine, but there was a time when she had her, her children with her just briefly. Um, occasionally they would be in her summer classes when she was teaching summer classes, mm. but I didn't have a role model. Like I didn't, I didn't. So I was trying something that I hadn't seen anybody do before. And I was, and I was so, so pleasantly surprised that it was accepted. You know, I, I brought my kids to class with me. I'd set up their little blanket in the corner um, and I would attend to them as they, as, as needed, but they would just kind of lay there and roll around so that I could keep training. That's so great. When, and honestly, like your practice of dancing, like you were saying, like you had to for the, the work you were doing, but your practice, you were just so, you know, the commitment of taking class daily, um, mm -hmm. you know, is just, it's something that I'm, I'm craving. Uh, yeah. and it, this is like sounding negative for the younger generation now, but I think there's few people now that, that just continue that practice, you know, of, of dance. Um, well, I think that, I think that the practice has changed and I think that dancers know how to take care of themselves and their bodies to prepare for rehearsal. And this whole idea of, uh, like a morning class, so to speak, just isn't really possible for so many dancers because so many dancers are dancing for several different companies or choreographers and they're, they're trying to make their rent, they're trying to make a living. And so their training become it, it, it comes in a different form. You know, maybe it's a morning yoga class, maybe it's, you know, a Feldenkrais class at home before you go in to take your before you go in for rehearsal. But I think the whole the whole form has shifted. I don't know, Joe, if you would agree with that as a younger dancer. Um yeah, I mean I think that you know, that expectation that you get in the academic setting when you come out of this like consistent structure of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday class, um, mm -hmm. and kind of that culture shock of, of leaving that, um, I think for me was, was kind of drastic. And then, you know, just to find the feasibility of being able to take a class on a daily basis that felt mm -hmm. like it was a class that felt valuable for my time mm -hmm. became difficult to, and, I felt like the classes that I was trying to gravitate towards um, were only offered once or twice a week. Right. Right. So that's kind of where I found myself. And I took a lot of class, you know, I took class at MDT. I, you know, I tried to take, um, you know, as much ballet class as, as I could. Um, but without supplementing that with something that I was really passionate about, I think I lost the desire to maintain mm -hmm. just that technical training. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I might have that. Here I am doing Cunningham now, but the old that old school kind of mentality, or or such a a memory of getting to take class when I was dancing. Yeah, so I feel like when I was dancing with jazz dance, we took class every morning. We took ballet mm -hmm. class and rehearsed. So like having like it was in the structure of the company. So in that company structure, 
obviously has shifted and and you know is making it almost impossible for 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 dancers to even be able to do that well and then as a dancer you you need you need some space too to be able to move your body so if you're living in a small apartment or you have roommates or you know it's what your your environment isn't conducive to your own sort of home class so to speak yeah. um that's an added challenge and I, I i'm curious as we sort of progress you know i think that in some levels uh, dance departments almost are doing a disservice like setting up this structure i wonder <laughs> it's almost like there should be a course just for like design your own warm-up design your own mm. sort of um uh, preparation for a rehearsal rather than depending on a class to get you there, right? Or a class yeah, yeah. that you've sort of created your own method of, but it takes discipline. And being in a class, you have someone telling you what to do. And so that sort of guiding you or or giving you the exercises to do. So there's it takes more discipline to sort of create that on your own. And that's, that's very challenging. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I agree with that. You know, I think that when I was first dancing, you know, the idea that you could use rehearsal time as like training time, <laughs> I, you know, f- felt like a, such a feasible thing. And now in retrospect felt like such a fallacy, right. uh, you yeah. know, and one thing that for me re- recently, you know, that I feel like, I've learned more from are my mentors, you know, I, I think specifically about like Heather Klopshin and oh, love her. Being, mm-hmm. being in rehearsal with her and her, not just dedication to preparation for class physically. I mean, you look at a woman that is a fen- phenomenal dancer, but also has maintained that mm-hmm. level um, for as long as she has kind of inspired me to be a little bit more um, proactive, I think about preparation and, and, uh, you know, pre-rehearsal, post-rehearsal, mm-hmm. you know, ritual. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. That's so interesting. I'm so glad that you have someone like that to um, look up to because she absolutely has all of those traits. I mean, Heather is such a good example in terms of someone who is so passionate about what she does and works to maintain her physicality so she can fully express herself the way she wants to physically. Very, very responsible in terms of her body. Um, And I mean that in a way that we are given these bodies and we are given this gift to dance and we better take care of ourselves, right? Mm. I mean, I I mean, without health insurance. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Joe, is that with uh, Dan Stark's work that you're doing right now? Yeah, Heather, Heather and I um, did uh, politics, sex, and religion last year, and then before the uh, pandemic, COVID stuff, we were rehearsing a duet um, called Diplomacy. So, yeah. Well, next time you talk to her, please say hello from me. I miss her. I will. Yeah. So, Amy, I know that uh, <laughs> we're, we can chat for hours yeah. and hours, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, though, if you could share some, a list even of independent choreographers that you worked for uh, in town here in Minnesota. Well, maybe I can, what I can do is just, just tell you like people that made an impact. Is that okay if I do it that way? Okay. So just, just people that made an impact, certainly starting at the U of M, um, my first modern dance teacher was Byron Richards, who's Aaron Thompson's husband. Um, Aaron Thompson was a huge influence. Zoe Seely, Chris Aiken really kind of catapulted me into contact improvisation, which became a form of movement and practice that I adored. Paula Mann, um, Lise Holton, Kathy Young. Um, I did many, many classes and workshops with Danny Burcheski, Danny and Joni Shapiro, uh, Jane Shockley, uh, Hijack. I took their morning classes, Contact Improvisation Wednesday mornings. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Morgan Thorson loved her classes. Matthew Jenjeski. <laughs> Um, Morris Johnson, I took his African dance classes well after I graduated from college. He, he, he was just, there was just a joy of movement through his work. Uh, Robin Steam, Win Fricky, um, I'm sure I'm missing people, but you know, just if, just a number, a number of people that I cropped cross paths with Emily Johnson. I was a part of her company for, for quite a while. Cindy and Brad, Cindy oh. Gutierrez and Brad Garner. Um, I spent time working with them. Susan Scalf, oh, Jeffrey Peterson. Mm, you know, just, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you, was there a time when you felt like you were dancing from like 9 a.m. in the morning till 9 p.m. at night, like just going from rehearsal to rehearsal? For years, yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and riding my bike from place to place and um, and then also going to work at Local Motion, which was a, a dress shop I worked at probably for 10 years, Um working at restaurants. I didn't, oddly enough, I didn't do a lot of teaching of dance during that time because I was so tired. Yeah. The thought of having to teach a dance class, just, I just didn't want to do it. But since, you know, I was able to teach, um, a level one modern dance at the college of William and Mary before we moved here to Chapel Hill and being in the, being in the space, in the studio teaching, I just, I was so joyed. Like I was so filled with joy, Um, but not a lot of teaching during that time of dancing so much because I just didn't have the energy. I just needed a break. Yeah. Self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I have a memory of you in the Andrea Miller work you had mentioned earlier too. Mm. Such a fun work. So good. So good. He was, you know, sometimes what would happen at Xenon and just stop me if you want to stop me, but we, as the dancers matured, right. As we got older <laughs> the, and the choreographers that were coming in were younger than us. It was kind of, it was kind of interesting because Xenon was able to bring in emerging artists. So that often would mean a, a choreographer who was, you know, maybe in their twenties or in their late twenties and so Andrea Miller, like, I felt like she came in with kind of a, honestly, like with, with an edge, like, hmm. and so I took, a, it took her like two, the first piece she made on us, um, felt sort of like she was there to prove something. And then the second time that Linda brought her back, it was much more of a collaborative experience. Huh. Um, but yeah, her, her stuff is, is amazing. I can't, oh, Picnic Lightning, I think was the piece that I really enjoyed. I was thinking about what, what something Morgan said while you guys were having a conversation with her about like documenting your work. Mm, yeah. It's so important. Like even kind of mentally thinking, preparing for this conversation, like going back and and remembering what you've done and then writing it down or getting footage because as you get older, you just start to forget and life, life takes you in different directions. Yeah. It's like, Oh my gosh, I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I'm going to go back a little bit uh, to plastic language, honestly, because we also got to perform that work so much. Mm-hmm. We started it with Marianne Bradley and we did a, a short little excerpt of it as part of a fuller show. And then mm-hmm. when Steven came on uh, in her role and then we got to go to Russia and then later we remounted it for Budapest, Hungary. Yep, with Gabriel. Yeah, and just like mm-hmm. and we went to Philadelphia a couple of times with it as well. Like just the like the, that experience for me as a choreographer, and getting to have a lot of the same dancers as part of it, um, is just like such a rarity. And and for me anyway, as a choreographer, I I feel like that's what I was hoping to achieve with a company was like you get to perform something so much that you 
know it inside and out almost in a way that you're like bored with it. (laughs) Well, and I think that that probably, you know, your first experience of dancing in jazz dance with Danny and also dancing with Shapiro and Smith, were you, you were able to do, you did a lot of touring between those two companies and you guys were able to perform these pieces over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And like you said, it just becomes, it's just, it's just so familiar. Yeah. I feel like you, it, it's, you're coming out the other side in a way where the audience truly is just seeing the crux of the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm being clear, but yeah, you're right. I, I crave that. And I also blame myself a little bit for it too. Cause I'm always like, all right, I want to do this new piece, <laughs> you know? It's like, let's move on. Yeah, but I also think that that's that's driven by outside forces. You know, I think for some reason there's like, instead of just saying, I guess we're always asking one another, one another, well, what's next for you? You know, what's your next project or what's your next something, something. And having really, I mean, the last time I, danced was the duet that I did with you Mm. for your um what celebration was that I was the 20th at the Fitzgerald and yeah Yeah. that was not not really the last time I danced because I was able to teach um at the at College of William and Mary but having like I've I've really stepped away from dancing and I'm I'm I have a yoga practice that I do every day and I teach yoga and I absolutely love teaching yoga, but there's a part of me that feels like I don't, I don't miss dancing so much. Hmm. I think dancing for me had its incredible benefits, but I was also very, very hard on myself. Hmm. I was really critical of myself and I wasn't, I didn't love myself as much as I love myself now. Um, and I think it's taken just kind of stepping away from being in that world for so many years and doing something for the approval of the outside eye hmm. for so, so long to just ha- to step away from that and just say, oh, my God, body. Holy cow. Thank you for what you did for me for so many years and rarely got injured and you know, again, living without health insurance and these amazing experiences you have, but you know what, now I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to be softer and I'm going to be more generous with how I perhaps look right as female dancers. There's this, this feeling sometimes you're supposed to look a certain way and that Mm. can be really destructive just to talk frankly about it. So, um, as much as I, I miss, working and being with other people and moving I'm I would say I'm much happier with myself I don't know if that makes sense well and I love hearing that so that's really wonderful and to get to have that practice through yoga Mm -hmm. because there's movement in there there's there's that that soul Mm -hmm. (laughs) of getting to express itself in teaching and kind of that all that knowledge you have too, like those students that you're teaching now are are so lucky to have that well thank you I I I love sharing I love sharing sort of the the joy of movement but also self-acceptance really it's it's about wellness it should be about self-care yeah well, Amy, I don't have to tell you, but you mean the world to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so happy to uh, get this opportunity to just chat with you in this way and share your uh, amazing accomplishments and all that you've you've given to the Twin Cities and your family and yourself with the, the self-care of getting to that place of loving yourself. It really makes me happy. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you both of you for doing this. I think it's important that these stories are shared and I certainly have loved listening. So I'll, I'll keep listening. So thank you.
yeah, have a great one. You as well. Thank you for joining us today on Studio Stories. We're excited to have Lori Van Weeren in studio next week to talk about her 30-plus years of contribution to the Minneapolis Twin Cities dance community. We're going to talk about not only her choreography, but also 9x22, her dance-slash-lab monthly showcase. So join us next week.